بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فان احسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وان شر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار uh, so this is lesson number 5 in our series on the uh, the goals and the wisdoms behind the commands and the prohibitions and um, in the previous lesson in lesson number 4 uh, what we did was to look at evidences from the quran and the sunnah both in a general sense and in a specific sense evidences to establish that the sharia has come to um, actualize which means to bring about and also to protect what we refer to as the masalih the masalih or the beneficial interests the beneficial interests of mankind and so we looked at numerous passages in the quran four passages from the end of surah al-an'am um and which are you know some major commands likewise in surah al-mumtahina uh, in which there is speech about the believing women and how they should be um, you know the pledge of allegiance and what qualities they should possess likewise in we looked at the end of surah al-furqan in which there is a description of the slaves of ar-rahman and certain qualities that they possess and also a lengthy passage in surah al-isra in the 17th surah where again we find many uh, descriptions and qualities that are mentioned and through these passages we established that the commands and prohibitions in these passages we can see clearly that they are the intent behind them is to protect religion protect life protect a person's intellect protect a person's wealth and to protect a person's lineage right so we we establish those proofs in detail from those texts likewise we looked at evidences that relate to um, what we call the hajiyat which are the needs that people have and likewise also what we call the tahsiniyat which are the the beautifications so we spoke about this in 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 some length and the intention in the previous lesson <coughs> was really to establish the proof so you can see the evidences for yourself and at the beginning we mentioned the general evidences like a general statement in the quran inna allah ya'muru bil adli wal ihsan wa ita'i dhil qurba indeed allah commands with justice and with benevolence and with giving to those who are close relatives and he prohibits al uh, fahsha that which is shameful uh, you know the the shameful lustful type of deeds and al uh, munkar that which is evil and uh, which is uh, that which is oppression al baghi so within these three commands and these three prohibitions the whole of the sharia is encompassed as mentioned by Sheikh Sa'di rahimahullah ta'ala so this would be a general proof 
for what we are speaking about. And likewise the hadith of the 70 odd branches of Iman, the highest of them is the statement La ilaha illallah, and the lowest of them is to remove something harmful from the floor. This is another general proof that the entire Sharia encompasses affairs which are there to establish, to protect, to maintain the five necessities that we've spoken about repeatedly. The five necessities without which the world cannot really you know, continue and, and, and take, take place in the worldly affairs. And they are religion, sound religion, life, uh, intellect, wealth, and uh, lineage. So what, what we were going to do in this lesson, um, you're supposed to receive a, a sheet like this. Um, inshallah, hopefully we should have them shortly. And what this sheet does, or what this diagram does, is it um, kind of brings together everything that we have been uh, discussing so far. It gives you like a visual image of you know, how to connect all of these things together, how to bring them all together. And because it's been close to seven weeks, maybe two months since we last had a lesson, what we're going to do is maybe do a bit of... Uh, Revision, inshallah ta'ala And um, You know, since we have this To look out, look at and to relate to Inshallah we can um, You know, just uh, refresh our minds And try to make The various connections uh, In our minds in relation to this uh, Topic So Starting today's lesson Lesson number 5 then uh, Which is kind of like a, a recap And a refresh of what we've done so far so if you remember we said that the legislator who is Allah and then the messenger of Allah who legislates who uh, was given legislation then the objective behind the legislation is to bring about whatever are the beneficial interests whatever is in the interest of humanity and this is, in a general sense, is to bring about benefits and to repel harms. Right? This is in a general sense. To repel harms from mankind and to bring about benefits to mankind. This is in a general sense. And we said that these beneficial interests that we are speaking of, when we look at life as a whole, then there are three Affairs that exist. There are affairs which are absolute necessities. Without them, life cannot continue. These are absolute necessities. Right? And then there are those things which are not necessities, but they are needs. Right? These are things without which life would be difficult for you. Life would be difficult. And you can see in the diagram, we have four circles in the, the middle is the duroriyat, these are the necessities, these are the vital necessities without which life cannot really, uh, you know, exist, and there would be chaos without them. Right, so this would be sound religion, the religion, uh, it would be life, the protection of life, it would be the protection of uh, intellect, protecting the intellect from ruin and corruption, protection of wealth, the wealth that people possess and own, and protection of lineage, 
lineage or you know ascription in terms of uh, lineage. So without these affairs, the world would be in in chaos. It would be in a mess. And so these affairs must be protected. They are the core. They are in the center. And around this are other affairs. We have the hajiyat. Those are the needs. And these are things which, if you didn't have them, it would make our life very difficult. It would make life awkward, and you know, it would be full of hardship if you didn't have these hajj, these affairs. And the third thing, which goes in the circle, the third circle is the tahsiniyat, and these are the things which bring about uh, beautification, and in the way that you do things, it brings about perfection in the way that you do things. So when we look at life and all of human activity, it falls into these three affairs. There are things which are necessities, without which your life is a chaos. There are things which are needs, without which life is very difficult and hard. And there are things which are matters just of beautification and elegance and you know doing things in the best way possible. We find that... Um, that when these three things come together, when these three things come together, then it means that the beneficial interests of mankind or of people who abide by the legislation, that it, you know, it, it, it basically it brings it all together. And so this is what the Sharia. This is what the Sharia brings. It, in each of these three affairs, it brings laws, it brings commands, it brings prohibitions. As a result of which, it you know makes life um, to to be protected, to be uh, to a person to have a happy life and to be free of any harm and to be full of benefit. And this is what the Sharia has come to establish. This is what the Sharia has come to uh, establish. And this is what we always start with the beginning point in any discussion about the Sharia. We speak about what are the necessities, what are the needs. And what are the perfections? And any law is judged according to how efficiently it actualizes these affairs. And so, when you study the Sharia from from this angle, you see that it is it is you know it is uh, just like you see perfection in Allah's creation, then you will see perfection in Allah's law. Right? And what Allah creates of you know what we see in the creation. We see there is perfection, there is beauty. Then, likewise, in the law, there is uh, something that you know that there is that which is the is the same. So, after this, we looked at the various evidences, and we said that the laws of Islam, they you know do two things. One is from the angle of uh, making commands to bring about. Whatever that necessity is. For example, to make the religion established, Allah has commanded iman, he's commanded prayer, he's commanded fasting. Right? This is from the angle of command. To actualize the religion. So the religion actually has an existence. And then on the other side, there are prohibitions of things that would lead to the absence of religion. Right? So issues pertaining to apostasy, for example, issues pertaining to ways in which uh, Tawheed is undermined and eroded, right? For example, the prohibition of uh, praying by the graves, the prohibition of 
raising and praising people, going into exaggeration. All these things are there to make sure that the religion is not you know, undermined. So the law works in two ways. The first way is what we call minjanibil wujud, from the angle of existence, meaning laws that which 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 ensure that the that the thing exists, the goal, the the object, the the you know the, the thing in question actually exists. In this case, religion, and likewise, it prohibits those things that would then cause that issue, in this case, religion, to not exist. And this is called minjanibil adam, from the angle of you know uh, non-existence. So the law comes from both of these ways and we see that very clearly in the in the sharia so what we're going to do from this point onwards is really we, we're going to do a recap really and we're trying to bring everything together in terms of this diagram that you see so uh, we'll start with a statement from imam al-shatabi rahimahullah and we're going to speak about each of these circles starting from the middle one working our way out and then eventually looking at the mukammalat and how they relate to each of the three inner circles, right? So this is what we're going to really do in this lesson, inshallah ta'ala. So Ashatabi, he says, for Ammadururiya, as for the what's in the inner circle, the grey circle, uh, its meaning is لم لم تجري مصالح الدنيا على استقامة بل على فساد وتحارج وفوت حياة وفي الأخرى فوت فوت النجاة والنعيم والرجوع بالخسران المبين. So he says, as for that which is the necessity, those affairs which are the necessities, and they are five in number. You can see listed there: sound religion, life, intellect, wealth, and lineage. Then this means that. In order for the deen and the dunya to be established and for the, the benefits to be realized, then these must exist. These must be established. Because if they were absent and if they were lost, then the affairs of the world would not be upright. There would be corruption. There would be chaos. There would be loss of life. In this world and in the hereafter, there would be the people would lose their deliverance. They would not be delivered. They would not be saved in the hereafter. They would lose the bliss, and they would be faced with ruin, clear ruin in the hereafter. So, this is how he defines Dharuri. Uh, and likewise, Imam Shokani, rahimahullah, he says, "Well, Dharuri, who al mutadammin, that which is necessary is that which comprises the protection." of the five objectives and every legislation is agreed in the protection of these five things and they are as we have in uh, number one sound religion uh, protecting life wealth intellect and uh, one's uh, lineage so we're going to look at the first one in the right at the center this is the crux of everything Everything else feeds into the daruriyat, the necessities, the vital necessities. And in Islam, we see legislations which exist for each of these five affairs. There is legislation that relates to religion, life, intellect, wealth, and lineage. 
either to bring it about, as we said, or to prevent it from being lost. And so, for example, Iman has been made obligatory, the six pillars of Iman. The prayer has been made obligatory, the fasting has been made obligatory, Hajj has been made obligatory, and Zakat has been made obligatory. Right. So these, as we know, are the six pillars of Iman and the five pillars of Islam. So the Sharia has come and has commanded with these affairs. When it commands these affairs, it is actualizing or bringing into existence in the people's hearts and in the people's you know, actions, it is bringing about Islam and Iman. It is giving existence to the religion, to the deen. So um, that's on the one hand. Likewise, so this is to actually bring it about, to make it exist. Likewise, to protect it, to make sure that it continues to exist. Then there are other affairs which have been legislated. From them is making da'wah to Allah Azawajal. To call to Allah is enjoined upon every person you know, who, has, who has knowledge, who can call to Allah with ilm, with, with knowledge. Likewise, to repel any transgressions against the religion. So that would be, for example, refuting the opposers, refuting those who spread lies against Islam, refuting those who uh, cast aspersions upon the Messenger of Allah um, refuting their misconceptions about different aspects of Islam, about the aqidah, about the ibadat, about the acts of worship, about the legislation. All of this is to repel this transgression in order that the religion may, may remain. Similarly, the obligation of uh, making jihad against those who strive to make ibtal, to, to, to invalidate the religion. And, you know, who want to basically erase the symbols of Islam. This is for the protection of that. And likewise, uh, punishment for those who turn their backs and those who make the people have doubts in their, in, in their religion, in their creed. And likewise, prohibiting people of ignorance from giving fatwa without knowledge. This is prohibited. And you will see texts in the Sharia, which, you know, a person who, uh, you know, is, is condemned to the hellfire, a person who uh, gives fatwa without, without, without ilm and misguides people by that way. So you can see from, in relation to the religion, the first necessity, there are affairs which are commanded, which bring it into existence. And then there are affairs which are prohibited, like the affairs that we mentioned, which ensure that the religion continues to remain and is not undermined and is not you know, eroded. That's the example of Deen, the first one. The second one is Anafs, the, 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 the protection of life and the soul. Then, in order to ensure life exists to begin with, then marriage has been ordered, has been commanded. And marriage is the means by which there is birth and there is continuation of the uh, lineage and so on and so forth. And likewise, uh, it is obligatory to eat and to drink and to be clothed and to take shelter. All of these things, they are there to protect life once it exists. Right? Food, drink, shelter, clothing... 
Likewise, the obligation of, or the, the, the you know, legislation of retribution, the law of retribution. If someone harms you in your person, you have the right of retribution. Right? This is to protect life and a person's body from, from harm. And likewise, it is prohibited to throw yourself into destruction, to bring harm to yourself. And, you know, these are all other affairs that we find in the Sharia. Uh, they work in a complementary sense in order to protect life, to protect a person's life or, you know, a person's life in, in society. Likewise, al-aqal, intellect, uh, Islam has legislated many affairs for the protection of intellect. The intellect is something not, that you're not necessarily born with. You have the capacity to understand. Then as you grow and as you acquire knowledge, then your intellect develops and then when you reach the age of maturity, you are then responsible. And it is you possessing aql that makes you responsible. Right? So therefore, this intellect has to be protected from being you know, destroyed. Otherwise, then that removes the, the foundation of religion. So there are affairs which are legislated. For example, the prohibition of intoxicants the prohibition of you know, drugs or anything which harms or befogs the mind. And likewise, punishments exist for those who consume intoxicants or who are involved in spreading or selling intoxicants and drugs and the likes. And so uh, this is from the aspect of the, the aql, re, the reason or intellect. Likewise, we have wealth and in order to make wealth to exist, then it is legislated uh, to have dealings and trade and barter and things by which people exchange, you know, things with each other. And likewise, striving to go out and to pursue wealth is something that is also commanded in the Sharia to go and pursue wealth, to acquire wealth, because without wealth, you know, there's no food, there's no drink, there's no clothing, there's no shelter. And so this is something which is which is the Sharia. It brings that about by way of these legislations. On the other hand, it also ensures its protection by way of, for example, prohibiting theft and stealing, and likewise prescribed punishments for theft, and likewise um, the prohibition of throwing one's wealth away, meaning uh, destroying one's wealth, spending it for without need and um, likewise the prohibition of deception and trickery when it comes to dealings and eating people's wealth in falsehood you know cheating people out of their wealth all of that is prohibited and likewise that if there is a foolish person a silly person who does not know how to handle wealth and they just squander it and spend it on silly things then likewise it is prohibited you know, a person must not allow that person to be in possession of, of that wealth because they'll just squander it and throw it away. It should be taken from them and held in, you know, custody and so on and so forth. And likewise, the prohibition of riba, the prohibition of uh, usury, and likewise the prohibition of many types of transactions which are which which are prohibited. And in all of this, there is protection of the wealth of the people after it has been brought into uh, existence. So. Uh, you can see that these are the five necessities which are in the inner circle, right? These are the five essentials which every law must 
establish otherwise there's chaos in there's chaos in society and you can see you can look at any society and you can see uh, you know do they uh, allow riba yes they do and you will see that the people will be will be robbed of their possessions of their homes of their wealth of their you know by way of the interest and you know uh, uh, banks take their homes and you know uh, you you'll see that spread within the society likewise when you see when they indulge in um, you know intercourse outside of marriage and you see the corruption of the lineage you see children without a father and no one knows who's responsible for actually maintaining them now is it the state is it the mother is it the right who all of this now creates chaos in 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 lineage and it creates chaos in in wealth as well and so all of this confusion this is why these five likewise akal if if there's no akal if you're not in position of akal you're going to kill someone if you're driving right if you're intoxicated you're going to come you're going to you're going to beat your wife as you see these people doing all these things bring about this corruption in in society so we mentioned the uh, evidences for all of this uh, previously in previous lessons in detail for these five necessities but what we want to look at now is is that you will see that not only does the sharia legislate for the necessity but then there are also there are two layers outside which are the hajiyat which are the needs and likewise the beautifications or the perfections outside and then right on the outside of those things are what we call mukammilat mukammilat these are additional things which have been legislated which add perfection to the original thing and this is you know this will be made clear by way of examples so for example the sharia has commanded the prayer or salah what does the salah do what is the salah what was the, what does the salah do it establishes the religion right but then there are other legislations around it for example how do we do the salah it is in jamaah yes in the masjid and it is announced by way of the adhan it is announced by way of the adhan and all of these affairs that you see this is this is uh, it adds perfection to the issue of the prayer and to actualize the religion so if you imagine in a society where everybody was just praying at home and there was no announcement of the prayer and it wasn't that necessarily even at fixed times let's say for example then the presence of the deen it wouldn't really be felt wouldn't be felt but when you see that the adhan has been legislated and it has been established in the masajid and then you have the jum'a you have the jama'a the jum'a then you see that there is there, there is sulb there is there's some essence to the religion there's some tangible existence to the to the religion so when you have that original thing which is legislated in this case the prayer for the actualization of islam then around that are many other legislations which are there for the from the angle of of uh, you know per- perfection or completion to make that you know in the best way possible likewise another example that can be given is in the issue of retribution qisas right when someone harms someone else or kills someone else right there's the law of retribution so within the law of retribution is 
that it should be like for like. It shouldn't be like, for example, in some of the previous laws, if someone killed a member of another family, then you would be killed, and then you know other members of your family would be killed as well. Now, this is not justice. This is not justice at all. This all this does it incites even further hatred and further enmity, right, and resentment. So, when the Sharia has legislated this qisas, which is retribution, then it has added perfection to it in that it has to be like for like. Right? An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. It has, it has to be like for like. Otherwise, it will it will lead to enmity, hatred, and so on and so forth, and, and not, not resolve the problems. Likewise, when it has prohibited zina, it prohibits zina for what reason? For the protection of lineage. Not only does it prohibit it, but it also adds perfection to that by, for example, prohibiting a man from being alone with a foreign woman. Right? So the example we were looking at is the prohibition of zina, which is fornication, having you know relations outside of marriage. And this has been prohibited in order to protect nasal, lineage and honor. Not only has it prohibited that, but it is also prohibited being alone with a foreign woman. Or mingling without you know there being any necessity to do so. So likewise with the issue of khamar, which is intoxicants, which is there to protect the intellect, then not only have large amounts been prohibited, but small amounts have been prohibited as well. Even if it does not intoxicate. Right? Like in small amounts you can drink a, a bit of alcohol or wine or whatever else, it's not going to intoxicate you. But even that has been prohibited. And that is because it, you know, it leads, it can lead a person, that's how a person starts, it leads them to actually being uh, intoxicated. And then there are principles which come into play, for example, مَا لَا يَتِمُ الْوَاجِبِ إِلَّا بِهِ فَهُوَ wajib. You know, whatever, that by which an obligation cannot be completed, that itself is an, is an obligation. And that which leads to that which is um, prohibited, then that itself is prohibited too. Right? So you can see how these principles are at play in these affairs. So the point being that we have the original legislation, that which is, for example, the Dururiyat, to protect these affairs. Then there are surrounding legislations as well, which protect and ensure the original legislation. And if you understand this point well, you'll understand, like, for example, many, many times, many non-Muslims come and they say, well, what's wrong with a man being alone with a woman? Or they might say, what's wrong with a little bit of alcohol? Or they might say, you know, they might bring issues of, of this type. And what they're really talking about is that they're speaking about some of the mukammilat, right? Which, which surround, you know, in, in this circle. Or they might be speaking about some of the hajiyat, Right? What's wrong with you know uh, um, selling something that you do not actually possess in your hand, even though you are going to receive it at some point in the future? What's wrong with that? Right? They might not see anything wrong with that, uh, uh, you know, from from their from their reason. But because they don't understand how law, revealed law, and how you know operates and how it works and the the, the maqasid, the objectives, and how everything funnels and filters through. Then they are not, and they're taking things in isolation. 
they're not really really going to understand the wisdoms of the, of the Sharia in Sharia in these affairs. So so that's why we we have to understand how everything is working in terms of this you know these layers and these outer circles and how everything feeds into this central core which are the dhururiyat everything every law every command every prohibition right it feeds into this middle circle which are the dhururiyat right it leads into the actual necessities which have to exist otherwise there is chaos upon the upon the earth so um, so that's the examples uh, there are some yeah we've covered those examples already second level now we can speak about that which is outside of the first circle in the middle these are the hajiyat these are the affairs of need and what is a need a need is ash-shatibi uh, says wa amma al-hajiyat fa ma'naha annaha muftakhirun ilayha min hayth min hayth so meaning that a person is in need of these affairs in order to make life easy and to remove hardship and you know to to remove difficulty and by way by way of which a person loses many like beneficial things that's what it means and imam shawkani says rahimahullah that that which is the hajiyat it is whatever a person is in need of but it is not from the necessities right this is a general uh, definition so what are some examples that we can give to illustrate this first of all in the acts of worship there are certain scenarios in which some concessions have been given right in order to remove hardship so for example if you are ill if you are sick or if you are on a journey right this now is, brings burden upon you upon your body brings hardship upon you right and so therefore you have been permitted to break the fast and you have been permitted to combine the prayers as well and likewise if you are praying on a means of transport then you are allowed you know if you turn to other than the qibla it doesn't matter that's 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 a concession given to you in that scenario likewise if you are praying in a plane it doesn't matter whether whether you're facing the qibla or not right you you know, you, if you can, you can. But if, if not, then no, no, no problem. And other types of concessions. So many of these concessions exist in relation to the acts of worship. This is now in terms of the ibadat, the acts of worship. So as you can see, there are four types of human actions. There is the there is the ibadat, there is the muamalat, there is the adat, and there are the jinayat. Right, there are four types of human actions. Either you are performing an act of worship, or you are uh, involved in some trade dealings with other people, trade, renting, you know, a marriage contract, whatever else. These are these are interactions between people, or they are just customs, habitual customs to do with your food, your drink, your clothing, your shelter. These are just customs that people have, or it is crimes, actual crimes, theft, murder. Right, these are crimes against uh, people, against their against their rights. So, this is an example in the acts of worship how concession has been given to make your life easy when you are ill or when you are on a journey. Likewise, in the muamalat, in the dealings between the people, there are 
things which have been legislated, for example, uh, to buy and sell, to rent, to go into partnerships in trade, um, to, you know, all these various types of, um, to manufacture, all these things are have been made permissible uh, in order to facilitate and make life easy uh, for the people. Likewise, in the punishments, when it comes to the prescribed punishments, when someone commits a crime, theft, for example, or something else, there's a principle whereby the judge, if there is any shubha, if there's any doubt about the crime, then the head is repelled. Right? A shubuhat, uh, you know, the... the, the the, 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 anything which is a doubt, then it can repel, it can push off the actual uh, punishment. Right? This is to make the affairs easy and not to bring hardship and not to, you know, make the standard of proof so easy that, you know, someone could be punished without, you know, deserving that punishment. And likewise, we also see uh, things which have been made, been made easy when a person kills somebody else accidentally. A person kills somebody else accidentally. Then the responsibility of, of paying the blood money has been put upon the relatives of the killer. Right? Relatives of, of, of the killer. So they are collectively responsible, the males, to pay the blood money for the one who is accidentally killed. Right? So... If you, if you reflect upon these laws, you will see the wisdoms in these laws. Because, say for example, in, in a previous law, someone kills somebody else accidentally, not on purpose. So then that law says, right, this person has to be killed now. This person is now killed and all his dependents now have to suffer because he was killed for an accidental death. And then the person who was killed to begin with there's nothing for that person either, right? So all everyone's beneficial interest has been lost. But in this scenario, someone kills someone else recklessly, not on purpose, accidentally. He was reckless, right? That family has lost a member who was probably providing for them, right? A father, for example. So the Sharia has made the responsibility to pay the blood money. Not upon the killer, but also upon the upon the, uh, the family, the relatives, right? So they can, between themselves, pay a portion each to make it easy, and then collective, collectively pay the the family whose whose you know members was killed. So look at this now. First of all, it could be the case that the one who accidentally killed, he's not able to pay. So the responsibility is put on the other people. So now they collect the money, they pay it to that person, and so that person's dependents now have some finance, to, has have some money to basically continue their, their, their lives, stability. And this person here, he's been exonerated because you know he's played, paid the blood money, but he's been aided by way of his relatives, right? So... You can see now that everybody's beneficial interests have been realized. Because even this guy here who accidentally killed, he's still there, he's still living, he can still provide for his dependents. Right? So you can see that 
in the way that the laws are legislated, there is this principle of remove, you know, of of hajiyat, um, where basically the needs are being fulfilled. The needs of every party, every person, are being fulfilled in that particular situation or that scenario. Right. So again, we looked at the evidences in the previous lesson for this uh, principle. وَمَا جَعَلَ عَلَيْكُمْ فِي دِينِ مِنْ حَرَجٍ آيَةٍ in, in Surah Al-Hajj Allah has not made any difficulty for you in the religion but anyway coming on to the issue of the so now we are looking at the hajiyat hajiyat which surround the dhururiyat so these things also have other things legislated around them which bring perfection to them right so we'll mention a few quick examples of that as well um for example, in um, trade, when you when you when you buy and sell, buy and sell has been legislated because if if you couldn't buy and sell, life would be very difficult, right? You have to exchange goods. However, there are conditions which are attached to these to trade, for example, which makes it perfect. So, for example, you are not allowed to sell something you do not own. You can't sell something that you're not in possession of. Because that's a risk to that to that person. You take the money off them, but you might not be able to deliver the goods, right? Or, for example, you cannot, you know, uh, engage in trade where there's this speculation, to speculation, and the contract is not clear, and there's ambiguity, and there's hidden clauses. All these types of trade are not are not permissible, right? When these conditions are fulfilled, it adds perfection. It adds perfection to that original thing which has been legislated for a need. In this case, it is trade. It is trade. Right? That's one example that can be given. And, um, you know, we can move on, inshallah ta'ala, uh, for shortage of time. And, um, okay, I'm doing five, ten minutes, inshallah, inshallah, very quickly. So, now we move finally to the third circle that you see on the outside. We'll finish with that, inshallah. The third level are the tahsiniyat. This is right at the outer, you know, the third circle outside. These are the things which bring about uh, beautifications. And what is meant by this, Imam Shatibi says, وَأَمَّا التَّحْسِنِيَاتِ فَمَعْنَاهَا الْأَخْلُ بِمَا يَلِيقُ مِنْ مَحَاسِنِ الْعَادَاتِ وَتَجَنُّبْ الْأَحْوَالِ الْمُدَلِّسَاتِ الْمُدَلِّسَاتِ الَّتِي تَعْنُفُهَا الْعُقُولِ الْرَاجِحَاتِ So basically this means, that you take that which is always the best, the best option, the best habits, the best customs, and you avoid everything which involves like deception and which the intellects don't really uh, agree with. And all of this really comes down to makarimul akhlaq, having the best and the loftiest and the noblest types of manners in everything, in every type of behavior. This is what this level basically uh, contains. So... Um, by way of example, um, in acts of worship, when you worship, then you should wear the best clothing. Wear the best clothing. Wear the clean clothing. And cover your aura. And beware of anything which is najas from coming on your clothes. Right? So this now brings perfection to when you are praying. It adds a level of perfection to when you are praying. And... Also, um, in terms of the mu'amalat, in terms of the dealings, then deception, treachery, dishonesty, 
as being prohibited in trade and likewise inflating prices against each other right this is prohibited and other things which you know which which bring about uh, problems b- between the people so this adds perfection to how muslims conduct their trade this has been these these are uh, additional legislations around the original one to do with trade which add perfection to it and likewise in terms of punishments al-uqubat so for example when there is a jihad then the priests have been forbidden to be killed the children have been forbidden to be killed the women are prohibited to be killed and likewise to mutilate bodies that are dead is prohibited and likewise treachery when you engage in war to be tre- treacherous is prohibited all of this means that in the way that muslims engage in war which has been legislated for to protect one of the necessities which is religion then they do it in the best and complete and, and most perfect way possible it adds perfection to the original thing that was legislated right and um also from the adat from the habitual things uh, when you eat and drink eat with the right hand and do not eat filthy vile things which are vile and always you know have have the uh, you know eat wholesome what is pure then this is you know in 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 the best of ways so as you can see the the third level of tahsiniyat then that feeds into the other two which are underneath it it adds perfection to all of that and um likewise for the tahsiniyat there are also perfections for them as well so for example in tahara when you purify and wash yourself then don't waste water don't waste water and do it in the most efficient and best way possible take a small amount of water and be be thorough in the way that you perform your wudu or your ghusl right so this is now additional legislation around the third circle tahsiniyat to add perfection to that as well right so you can see from all of this <clears throat> that like so we said that likewise the third level of the things which are legislated the tahsiniyat they too have other things around them which add perfection to them as well so this indicates this all this shows to us to round off now really is that first of all there is an order there's a priority uh, the necessities in the middle then the needs outside of that and then the beautifications outside of that and then the completions outside of that everything feeds right down into the necessities and this is how the sharia has come with a perfect law with a perfect law everything fits in its proper place you can't take one bit out and say for example why does islam you know not allow a man to you know speak to a foreign woman or to mingle you, you can't you can't do that because law doesn't work like this you can't take laws out of isolation right you have to look at the what's the objective of the law and how the law strengthens parts of it strengthen each other and how it all flows in this is how law works right and so this is the nature of the misconception that many of the non-muslims have when they bring issues out of context and they don't see it like we see it here so to conclude if you understand all of this and you see now the sharia laws like this visually this will give you a good framework now to un- to, to understand the wisdoms and the reasons behind many of the legislations of islam 
and the wisdom and the perfection in this law that we abide by and how it is for our benefit and for the benefit of the society and for the benefit of, of, of our families and why we should love that which Allah has revealed and strive to learn it and strive to you know, act upon it. So with that we'll conclude our lesson there today inshallah. We'll continue uh, hopefully our last lesson on this series uh, the next time that we meet and we'll try to give some more detailed examples uh, to illustrate this further inshallah. We'll jazakumullah khairan for your patience. <laughs>